what I have found time and time again is that passions don't equal career fulfillment. Hi guys, welcome back to Mostly Balanced with Mia and Carly. Hi, welcome back and happy new year. Happy 2023. It feels like on one hand, like it was the fastest year ever. On the other hand, I'm like, how did everything happen in this past year? I know. I always have that feeling on the start of January. I know. Dan and I were looking back. We had New Year's dinner with my family last night and we were talking about like the highlights of 2022 and then ended up talking about all the places we traveled. And it was crazy because in early 2022, Dan and I were in Tulum, like planning our Tulum wedding. That feels like years ago. So we had a lot of travel in 2022. I think both of us. Wow. That's so crazy. And yes, I was actually just talking about that to my mom yesterday about how did I travel all those places in 2022. Right? So, but I love the start of the year. I mean, we talked about this the past few years in our first episode of the year. Like, neither of us are like super rigid about doing like new year, new me, or any of that kind of stuff. But we, I feel like both have the same outlook that we like, just like the fresh start and the opportunity to get back into routine and everything like that. Yeah, especially I was just saying before we started recording, I've been so out of routine for all of December between the wedding and the honeymoon. And then I came back and it was the Christmas season. And I'm the least productive human between Christmas and New Year's, like just watch TVs and allow myself to just rest and like eat amazing food and not have a care in the world. And I am just excited to get back to my routine I did make some New Year's resolutions though, but like tangible ones. Like I want to wake up earlier. Like I want to wake up at a certain time every day and I want to read X amount of books this year and I want to drink two glasses of water every morning. I made like my routine, my resolutions like very small, but like not fluffy. Like I want to be, I don't know, like healthier. Like I wanted to make it more actionable, you know? Yeah, like very measurable. Yeah. What time do you want to wake up in the morning? <laughs> well, I was going to say it and then I didn't because it's not early for a lot of people, but I'm a, I sleep in, but I want to wake up at 7 a.m. every morning. That's I feel like that's a great goal. Yeah. I recently about like a month or so ago got a lofty lamp. It's like a sunrise alarm clock. It's sort of like multi-purpose and it's from this company Lofty. And I mean, I've talked about this on here before, but like I don't usually use an alarm clock. So I just like wake up naturally and I, I find that like I do sort of like best when I wake up naturally because I don't like the feeling of like being jolted up in the mm-hmm. morning. But then like I had just been reading and researching a lot about sunrise alarm clocks and this lofty one is so cute. It just has like a really cute aesthetic and I just was curious to try it out. So I got it and basically it has a few different settings. So like at night you can put it into night mode and it's basically supposed to be more of like a calming light than like a harsh light that you might have from like an overhead lamp or a regular lamp or like scrolling on your phone. So there's a night setting that you can use to sort of like wind down and you can set it through the app on the phone, like what time the night setting will turn on. And then there's also a reading setting that's like a little bit brighter, but also like not super harsh. So you can use that at night too. But then the main thing is that you set it for like a certain time in the morning and it wakes you up with what mimics natural a natural sunrise. So it progresses from like this very dim color into like this pinkish orangish. And I actually have been shocked because I honestly think I like sleep better with it than I do without any alarm clock at all because of the way it like eases mm-hmm. me into the night at the end of the day and then I like really that. eases me wake in the morning. Yeah. So I love it. So anyway, when I posted about it, they offered to send us each a smart alarm clock, which is like different from this. This is the lamp that also Mm -hmm. has like an alarm feature. 
But the clock is another type of like, they call it like a smart sleep assistant. And it has all of these like soothing sound waves that you can go to sleep with and also wake up from in the morning. So you have one at your doorstep now. So you can try it out and maybe it will help oh. you with your resolution. Oh my God. I I hope so. And I hope Dan will be okay with that because I use my like jarring, horrible mm-hmm. phone alarm that I end up just snoozing five times before getting up. So he truly just gets like very frustrated in the morning if I don't wake up on the first alarm. So maybe this will be helpful for all of us in my household. And I can't talk about it too much because I obviously haven't gotten it yet, but I ordered my aura ring and I'm very excited to start using that because we've talked about it before, but I just think it'll be so helpful to understand the quality of my sleep. And then I can start making like little changes to see what will improve my sleep because I I truly just believe my sleep score is going to be atrocious because I, I think that's why I can't wake up in the morning. I think I don't have the best quality sleep. So 2023 is going to be a lot about sleep for me. Sleep and waking up healthier and better. Which I feel like impacts the rest of your life. Everything else. Yeah, exactly. I'm so curious to hear about your experience with the aura ring when you first get it. I feel like there's everyone I've talked to who has one has a specific thing that they're like shocked mm-hmm. by when they see their results at first. Yeah. I took a nap today, which I like don't usually do. I mean, I won't say I don't usually do it because I'll do it sometimes. I feel like maybe like once every couple of weeks, I'll have a day where I'm like so tired and I want to take a nap. But what's been so interesting with the aura ring is that like senses when you're napping too. And it's like 50-50 for me that... Sometimes when I take the nap, my sleep score for like that day will like jump up because I took the nap and my body got more rest. Other times it like significantly goes down. And I find mm-hmm. it so interesting. And I'm like, that's something I haven't dug into yet. But like sometimes yeah, it's like not advisable to take a nap because maybe it might ruin your sleep that Made night. You groggy too. Yeah, exactly. So today it actually made my score go up significantly. So Anywho, I could talk about this sleep data forever. Yeah. I love those resolutions. Mine are like also, again, like I didn't really make any clear resolutions, but just like going into the year, other things I want to do too are like kind of similar. Like I really, really, I was talking about this to my mom like a few weeks ago that we talk about this with so many of our guests and I just still don't do it. Like I just need to stop scrolling in bed. I do it like way too much. Even on nights when I'm like, I'm going to read before I go to bed, I do that. But then I like end up scrolling, not for like an hour, but at least for a few minutes before I go to sleep. So I really just want to like actually practice what I preach and put my phone on the nightstand or in the other room or something. Like I just sleep with it right next to me and use it immediately when I wake up and I need to cut that habit. Yeah. I just want to stop like not even in those two moments or times of day, just like in general, I feel like I waste so much time on my phone and it's affecting me lately in like terms of comparison, in terms of just like, I don't know, I feel like you can't go on social media and like see all these things without like somehow being impacted of like feeling like you should be doing more or doing this or shopping for that or having this or traveling here. Like, I just feel like I'm so like inundated with other outside thoughts. And I just wanted to take, I had so much time disconnected on my honeymoon. I just want to make more like pockets of time that I'm just not on my phone scrolling. Yeah. It's such a good goal. And I notice it too, because I really am not on my phone much on weekdays, but then on the weekend, I'm on it so much during the day. And I can tell that like, I'm the same way. It's not like I'm scrolling through like, Oh, I wish I had her life like about everybody, yeah. but there it does look deep Tiny into things. your brain. Like what you're saying, like without even noticing kind of thing. Like I feel like I'll decide I need something because I've been seeing it all over social media or something like that. So yeah, that's a goal of mine. 
But today's episode, we haven't even mentioned our guest, and it was such a fun one. We had Eliana Goldstein, and she is a career coach and had the best advice and just such a great perspective to bring us into the new year. Yes. I love that this episode is the first of the year. I think a lot of people go into the new year with new career goals or even just kind of asking yourself the question of what's going to make me happy? How can I set goals for myself personally, but also professionally? So I think this is the best conversation to start the year with because Eliana, she focuses on a lot of her clients are in their 20s or 30s in the millennial pocket. And some of the best advice, like I've heard, I've talked and heard and read from so many different career coaches, but there were different things that Eliana said that I had never heard before, or maybe heard the opposite of. Like, I don't want to take too much away from the episode, but what really stuck with me is that people are always given the advice to like find your passion and go after your passion when it comes to your career. And she actually spoke about how that might not lead to happiness and how that is actually not like the one metric you should be going after when looking at a new job. And then she gave actionable tips and like more important things you should focus on when you're evaluating like what in my what in a career is going to make me happy. So that I loved because we hear quite the opposite. And I very much agreed with what she said. And I just think she has so many great pieces of advice that will help you if you're unhappy with your job, help you give you some tips and confidence to get out back out there and find something that's fulfilling. If you just want to improve and set goals in your current job, I think this episode will be really great for that as well. Yeah, definitely. And you and I talked about that and I totally agree. I feel like that part about not that she was saying like, don't follow your passion, but just right. Just not the only thing. Right, exactly. So that part definitely really stuck with me too. And I feel like it honestly, that kind of, it was definitely a new perspective, but I feel like it does, it does like hold up with a lot of the people that we've talked to on here who have turned, like we might phrase it as like turning their passion into their career. They've also had a lot of different things that go into making that decision. And I feel like sometimes all of those other smaller considerations and different things get sort of overshadowed by that like overarching concept of just finding what you love. And like even one of our earliest episodes with my brother-in-law, Pete Athens, when he was find what you love and you'll never work a single day. And he said he couldn't agree with that less that like he feels like Mm -hmm. that's like when you find what you love, that's when the work like really starts and like it's not going to be a walk in the park. So I think that that's a common misconception that I'm glad that Eliana helped us debunk. So it was really good. Definitely not the best sound quality, unfortunately, just to get that Mm -hmm. out of the way here. We did our best in editing, but some of the the recording didn't have the best quality um, from Eliana's track just because of the setup that we had that day. But hopefully you guys still get a lot out of it because there's so much, there's like a lot of great advice in this episode. Yep. I couldn't agree more. It was really great advice. And I loved everything she said. And oh, one thing that we talked about with Eliana that I wanted to bring up is I'm my new book. My first book of 2023 is one that Eliana recommended and Carly loves as well called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. So I'm excited to start that now because I was reading, we talk about Taylor Jenkins read all the time and how much we're obsessed with her books, but I just couldn't get into the newest one. And I made my, my personally tough decision of like stopping versus pushing through. And I just don't want to waste my time right now reading something that's not sucking me in. So I am starting that book that came highly recommended by both Eliana and Carly. I'm so excited for you to read it. I said it in the episode, but 
that's one of those books that I wish I could read again, having not read it before. Like, I just feel like it had such an impact on me. I have like a strong feeling that Mia's going to read it and then just change her whole career and be a therapist instead. What? I feel like it oh like literally even had that effect on, on me. And I feel like yeah. you already have always had a, another life that you would be a therapist. Yeah. In. <laughs> I, w- I wish I was a therapist. I think that would be my ideal job if I wasn't in my current role. So yeah, who knows? Maybe in one month I'll be seeking out a new profession. (laughs) (laughs) I am definitely with you on making this a year that I read more. I always read a lot, but 2022 was definitely like my lowest amount in terms of how much I read. I think for a number of reasons, like one being so busy, some people, and I feel like Mia's included, like when you travel, you read a lot. When I travel, like don't read a lot. I don't know why. I feel like I just like bring books. If I'm on a beach. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess I didn't really go on beach vacations. But so this year, I really want to get back into I was reading like at least a book a week. And this past year, I did not. So in 2023, I'm going to read more. I actually just put on my reading list to start this week. My first book of the year will be, have you heard of it? It's called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. I've heard of it, but I don't know anything about it. Yeah. So I will report back. Hopefully this time next week, I'll be finished with it. But it's gotten like a ton of great reviews. And I think it was on the New York Times bestsellers. And I just feel like this has been on every like book list of the best books of 2022 and Mm -hmm. everything. So you know, you need that one book that just gets you back into reading. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And my my reading goal was only 12 books this year. That's why I didn't say it because I was just telling my mom that Carly has read 50 books in like one year. And we were just like saying how amazing that was and like how my goal is 12 versus 50. (laughs) We'll see. I mean, I've definitely read like more than 12 books in a year. I just also, I don't think I read that much in 2022. So we're starting off strong and... If you liked Carrie Soto is back, can you tell me and you're like, let me know if I should continue it? Because I just like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get through it. Yeah. Tell us like what the point was that you <laughs> like started, started liking it. But right. I want to hear what you watched this week because we both have been catching up on a lot of great TV. Hmm. I'm watching Sex Lives of College Girls. I'm not done with it yet. I was taking some, I was going on the treadmill and doing like some walks on the treadmill. Those days it was so cold. So that was my treadmill show. In your building? In my building. I'm watching Emily in Paris, which I am savoring rather than blowing through. I Dan and I are watching The Crown, which not new or we're only on season four, but I love it. And we're on the season with Princess Diana. So I am very excited. I'm really into it. Obviously finished White Lotus. We talked about that. What else am I watching? I think those are like the three that are I'm really into. Like once we got into this season of The Crown, I got so into it. I wanted to watch multiple episodes in a night. Where are you and Emily in Paris? I think I'm only on episode three. Okay, I binged it. So, but I'm gonna save Virginia and Georgia when it comes out. This yeah. Week. I love Jenny and Georgia. I'm so happy it's back. Yeah, that's a great one. I guess I kind of did the same thing. So I watched all of Sex Lives of College Girls and then I watched all of Emily in Paris. Okay, so we can get into the episode. We've had like a few hiatus weeks these past this past month or so. We had two different weeks that we didn't have an episode because of different things going on, like me being sick and Mia being on our honeymoon. And then we didn't want to release one when it was basically Christmas. We just feel like everybody is kind of like doing their own thing and celebrating with their families. So now that we're back and we're in 2023, we are going to have back to regularly scheduled programming. We have a lot of great episodes coming up. And... Yeah, we're excited to get into it. But we always like to close out our episodes with either listener questions or picking cards from our actually curious deck. So today we'll pick three cards. 
and answer a few of these questions. If you're new here, Actually Curious is a deck that has, they have a few different decks actually. So there's like a happy hour edition, a culture edition, and a couple of others. We had their founder, Michael Tennant, on the podcast a few months ago, like earlier in 2022. And it was a great episode. But the game is really fun. It's fun to like play on your own to do like journaling or play with friends or even play with a new partner. Just mm-hmm. spark a lot of interesting conversations. Or bring to a dinner party. Did you end up playing on New Year's Eve last night? No, I forgot to sisters? bring it. <laughs> it would have been so fun. But yes, it's very fun to just like bring to any type of party. Some of the questions are super lighthearted and other ones are a little bit more deep. But here we go. Okay. The first one is, what is the absolute best thing to do on a rainy day? <laughs> and, uh, the next one is, there is skill and there's talent. What is a natural talent that you've always had? And then <laughs> the last one is, do you believe in magic? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one to say for last. So wide range there. Um, best thing to do on a rainy day, I mean, for me, hands down, is like wear cozy clothes and be on the couch and binge watch one of my favorite shows. And that is just one of my favorite things to do, rain or shine. <laughs> rainy day is perfect. Yeah. Everything that everything we just talked about, watch TV, yeah, read, we, all of the above. I love that. Like. I don't know, like cook something delicious or order delicious food. I feel like just... There's just days I crave a rainy day. Like I just need that reason to stay home and do everything we just said. This time of year like makes me think like I definitely like it better when it's like a snowstorm. That feels like you like have to stay inside. If it's just raining, I kind of still feel like I have to get outside for like a minute. I don't know why. It's just like a me thing. Yeah. But in a snowstorm, it just feels like so nice to like make hot chocolate Mm -hmm. and just sit on the couch. Today was not a rainy day, but I still had like a very inside relaxation day. But I also like cleaned my apartment from top to bottom. And that is something that isn't fun to do in the moment. The but best I genuinely feel like lighter yeah. after I do it. I don't know. We've talked on here before about like Bethany Holmes and how she has like the whole concept of your home playing a huge role in like your life and your well-being and everything like that. And I like I think I feel that like to like a stronger degree than some other people because I even in like my bedroom, like I don't sleep well if there's like clutter in there. Like I always need things to be like sort of cleared out. I like come home and clean my apartment immediately if I've been away or just need like a reset first thing in the morning. Your apartment is always so clean. I was thinking about you today because I'm thinking about moving coming up and I'm like, whenever I move, I get rid of some things. But then I just always feel like I just like have stuff. And I was thinking about your apartment. I feel like you just like never have like stuff like out and about. I feel like it's always just very, I don't know, it has that clean feeling. And I I strive to have that in my next apartment. (laughs) That makes me feel so happy because I was not always (laughs) that way. And I think also Dan being so tidy has made me more conscious of it because it's like the person I want to be just like never. Mm -hmm. It it takes work. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Do I believe in magic? I'm not really sure where to go with this one. Like what kind of magic? I don't, I do believe in like a lot of the psychic, like woo woo mm-hmm. stuff that we've had on here. I don't know yep. if that's necessarily magic. magic. I'm more subscribed to like intuition is kind of like that, what I would believe in, but I don't think I necessarily believe in magic. witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. I think certain people have a innate intuitive sense that they, I believe in like mediumship and psychics and all of that. And And manifestation, manifestation. Like I believe in some magical elements. I mean, I believe in like, I could definitely be sold on like ghost stories and all of that. If that's magic, I I guess I just believe in like a little bit of a 
otherworldly stuff. I don't necessarily believe in like, you know, magic wands and rituals and spells. Witches and wizards. Witches and wizards, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I actually just <laughs> recently got Gabby Bernstein's book, Super Attractor, to get back into manifesting. So hopefully we mm-hmm. have more manifesting content coming up. Yeah, I need a lot of that. There's skill and there's talent. What's natural talent you've always had? I think I'm really talented. This is so random because I don't do anything with it. But mm-hmm. I have like a very, I think I have a very strong musical talent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your face is so funny. You're like, oh, I didn't mean to be surprised, but it's like you just said it. You're, I know you played an instrument when you were young, but I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I wouldn't like say music. Not a practicing musician. Like, yeah, you're not a musician. <laughs> but it was one of those things that growing up, I feel like just came so naturally to me. Was like playing instruments mm-hmm. in school. I just feel like in general, like music. Whenever I'm listening to it, I feel like I like oh, and like even within like certain classes that like workout classes mm-hmm. be like that are beat based. I just like always really connect with music. So I think I have like an innate musical talent. Yeah, <laughs> maybe this year I'll become more musical. I I really don't know the answer to this. I feel like I've always been like very visually talented. Like I was very good. Not like and also like I'm not like great at art or painting or drawing, but I've like always been very visual and I. excelled in more of those like creative things just came really naturally to me um I do think I would have been like a really good athlete if I would like took more classes like I think I would I'm naturally very good at tennis I always like laugh with my sister after not picking up a racket for like years I'll just get back out there and play with her and I'm like I'm quite good I feel like I would be a really good tennis star if I was trained in this as a young age there are like certain things that I feel like I just am naturally yeah good at without trying. Yeah. I would say that one for you is definitely design because it's not something you've like taken classes in or anything, but you still always do have like an eye for design and like aesthetics. And like what I was just saying about your apartment, I feel like those are just things that like come naturally to some people. Mm. Yeah. It's like things, it's things that like you don't even like put into practice in day-to-day life. But like you said, when you pick up a tennis racket, you can just like play like those things just eh, everyone's different. (laughs) Certain things come naturally. My musical talent. Not everybody can have it. Not everyone can have it. <laughs> Should get back into it. Well, I'm so excited for everybody here at this episode. She had the best advice. And I recommend to anybody to reach out to try to work with her if you are going through a period in your life where you're like really thinking about what you want to do next. Yeah. She's worked with a lot of clients and been super successful. And she's done that herself when she changed her career. So hopefully you get a little something out of it. Yes, definitely. My friend had worked with her and really benefited from it. So I know that she does like a lot of corporate stuff too. just look into it because she's a great resource and also very relatable. I feel like it's always helpful to go to someone like this when they're super relatable. So I hope you enjoy the episode and we will have so many more great episodes and guests and content this year. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. Hi, welcome back. We are so excited for our guest today. I think this will be a great episode. We were just saying to have for 2023. So we're here with a millennial career coach. She works with ambitious, career-driven 20 and 30-year-olds to help them get to the next level in their careers or find something completely different. So welcome to Mostly Balanced, Eliana Goldstein. Thank you for having me here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and chat with you guys. Love the podcast though. Very exciting. We're so excited. This, like Mia said, this is going to be a fun conversation. I feel like it's just something that 
no matter what industry you're in or what you do, everybody will be able to take something from it. So before we dive into it, we always like to start just by having our guests tell everybody a little bit more about them. So can you tell everybody where you're from, where you live, and then a little bit more about what you do and how you got into it? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Eliana. I am born and raised New Yorker, currently live in Brooklyn. Absolutely love it. Uh, I have now been career coach full-time for over three years. But I have my stories, probably a lot of people here who are listening to So prior to career coaching, I worked in the ad tech industry. I was in ad sales for almost 10 years. And I was climbing the corporate ladder, doing all the things that I was super excited about, making good money, that age. And despite kind of the on-paper success, I felt really disconnected from what I was doing professionally. And I always just like had this nag feeling that I was in the wrong place. But because things were going, you know, according to my initial plan, and I was growing and scaling how in a way that I thought would make me feel good, I kept sort of pushing myself. And I would make little pivots here and there and switch to a different company or change industries a little bit. That those small pivots would bring me that sense of like fulfillment I was desiring in my career, but really nothing was working. And it really just reached a point of burnout where I just said, okay, this is not for me. I know that I meant for something more. I meant for something different. And I ended up going to this like super intensive three-day personal development seminar that my friend had recommended to me. And it was sort of my first real foray into the world of personal and professional development. And I think it was a turning point in the sense that I really recognized, okay, there are other options out there. I there's I have a lot more control over my life and career than I'm really giving myself credit for. And from there, sort of just went on a journey of a lot of reflecting, networking, doing a lot of market research, exploring different career paths. And I came across the world of coaching and really felt like it just hit on my skills. It hit on the impact that I wanted to make and the kind of people that I wanted to work with. And from there, I kind of just started it as a side hustle like a lot of people do. And then eventually went full time and now have been doing it full time, like I said, for three years. So that's kind of like high level, my pivot story and and what I went through. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that because I feel like so many things you said, so many people can relate to like feeling like they're kind of like coming up against a wall. Like maybe it's a career change. Maybe it's like a slightly something different in my industry. Maybe it's a promotion within my company, but that dormant feeling of just like where, like what's going to fulfill me, what's going to bring me happiness. And then even just a little bit of your path of probably how you were able to transfer some of your skills from a previous industry into something completely new, but not really, of course, starting. There's so much unknown. So even in your own story, which I'm sure translates into advice you give to all of your clients, what did that feel like? And what like really got you to jump off the cliff there to make that change? I think exactly like you're saying, I kept trying to make these small changes and think that, oh, just that little shift that will help. And I think the consistent small changes, but then the consistent feeling of feeling really disconnected. Like I remember, especially in, in sales and, you know, I'm sure Mia, you can relate to this to a degree, feeling this like I would see all these people around me and they were so engaged in the work they were doing and they were in sales and they were, you know, out there with their clients and they were so creative in what they were doing. And I remember looking at myself and being like, 
why don't I feel that way? Like, why do I feel like I was lacking confidence in myself? And I felt like I could never come up with big, cool ideas. And I just felt like I was never as good as anybody else there. But I knew deep down, it wasn't because like, I didn't have something to offer or because I wasn't talented or because I didn't have skill sets. It was because I, I really felt deep down, like I was like in the wrong place. Like it was this feeling of like misalignment of, I have something to offer, but it's just not fit. So I think it was like that nagging feeling kept coming up. And then that sort of combined with an attitude of like, okay, I'll, I'm kind of up for anything, right? And I said, my friend approached me, she told me about this personal development seminar. And I've always been one to be like, sure, I'll try it. Like, why not? Let's see what, let's see what happens. So I feel like that attitude of being open allowed me to go to this workshop, which opened my eyes up to just a lot of stories I had been telling myself about my skill set and about the experiences I've had and how that shaped me. And from there again, like from it sort of opened me up to that world of introspection and reflection and everything just grew from there. So I think it was really following the feeling in my gut that something wasn't right. And then being open to ideas and possibilities and being open to trying new things and then like really following through and taking action on it, which I'm making this all sound a lot like easier than it was. Obviously, there was like a lot of feelings coming up as I was going through all of this. But I think kind of pushing through all those things allowed me to get to where I am today. Yeah, I'm I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, I can't be the only one who this is sounding like so familiar to like so many of the things that you said. Also, just because I also worked in ad sales for like almost 10 years and I did the same exact thing. I kept wanting like something a little different. It was just like always making these little changes and they were never enough. So I know so many people have been in that situation before. First, how old are you? I'm 34. Okay. You look like you're like 25. I was like, how do you have this many years of experience? (laughs) I was like, I need to ask this before I ask anything else. (laughs) Mia said when she was introducing you that you are a millennial career coach. So is that that's typically the age group that you're working with? I would say definitely millennials, 20s and 30s, which is really millennials and Gen Z. So I would say majority of my clients that I work with are sort of are probably 29 to 32, 33. So it's really kind of that peak millennial. But obviously, Gen Z takes up a large portion of the workforce as well, too. And they're also like heavily influencing what work looks like right now. So I definitely have a lot of Gen Z clients as well. And do most of the people who come to you come to you knowing like, I want to make this career change, but I don't know how to do it? Or do a lot of them come to you like not knowing at all, like what they even want to do? I would say a lot of people come to me having no idea what they want to do, or maybe they have a little bit of an inkling, but they're not entirely sure what it looks like and how it could really be like fleshed out. So I would say I would say majority of my clients were like, I know something's off exactly like we're describing, right? I know that what I'm doing right now isn't right. I know there are maybe aspects of it that I like, but I feel like it could be better. Like, like there's more for me out there. And they're kind of stuck in that like typical golden handcuff situation where they feel guilt for wanting to leave. Yeah. I mean, the easiest part is to have that feeling of like, I know something's wrong. And of course you like know what you like to do, but it's so hard to translate like, right. okay, I love, I'm really into pop culture and entertainment, but like, how is that a career? Like, what do I do with that? So that first step's the easiest part. It's like, I'm, this doesn't feel right now. Yeah. What? So if someone does approach you and has no idea what they want, how do you help them even like 
highlight the strengths. What is it that brings you happiness? What do you have fun doing? And then like, how can we even find a right fit that could translate to a career for you? Yeah, the the most important question. So I think there's a few things in what you were just sharing. So first and foremost, a lot of the times, the misconception that I see or the mistake that a lot of millennials and viewers make is they want to follow their passion, right? They say, oh, I'm so passionate about pop culture. I'm so passionate about fashion. Let me get a job in the fashion industry or let me work at like this big magazine and I'll be so happy. And what I have found time and time again is that passions don't equal career fulfillment. And that's because think about it, like you follow your passion, right? I got this job. I'm working in fashion. Great. I'm so excited about it. But my manager is horrible. I don't get to be creative in the role. I have no work-life balance. They're severely underpaid. And half of the work that I'm doing, I don't even enjoy. It doesn't matter how much you're passionate about fashion. That's not going to help you push through those other challenges, right? So it's about recognizing that passion is, is a part of it, but it's a small, small piece of the puzzle. And what I really encourage people to think about instead is look at your current role right now or look at your previous roles and ask yourself, where within this role am I most engaged? What are the projects, the tasks, the day-to-day assignments that I'm doing that actually engage me, that draw my attention, that I want to do more of? And that's really the first clue. And it seems so obvious, but the truth is we're so pulled in a million directions at work that we don't really take the time to reflect on that. So a lot of the times we're not really sure of what are the aspects of my role that I really enjoy. But once you have that information, you can kind of expand on it and you can say, okay, I'm seeing in this role that I really enjoy, you know, the client facing aspect of things. And I love when I'm putting together these kids' presentations and I can then present them to the client. And See and say to yourself, okay, if this is what I really love, is there a different role? Is there a way in my current role that I can do more of that, right? And that's going to lead to a sense of fulfillment. Or that's often how you discover your transferable skills. Okay, I'm working in this client-facing role, but what I really love the most is anything that's like building efficiencies and building out a new process that I can streamline across the team. Okay, like maybe I'm more of a project management type person. Like obviously I'm, you know, Making, I'm just generalizing a little bit, but areas of engagement are a really good way to start cultivating and figuring out some of your transferable skills and how you can apply those. So it's, it's really that, um, recognizing the passion aspect of things and also your values. I find that's a really, really big one. What are your career values? Is it collaboration, creativity? Is it more autonomy, inclusivity? And see how well that's being reflected in your current role. And if you feel like those values aren't there, then you really want to try to find the company, the role, the, you know, the team that shares more of those, more of those values. No, that's all so helpful. And it's interesting because I'm kind of curious about most of the people that you work with. Do they end up finding that they're actually a lot closer to what they want to be doing than they think? Like, does their next move end up being something pretty similar to what they're already doing? It's, it's a really great question. I would honestly say it's a mix. I find there's there's two sort of buckets of people. There's the people who end up really discovering that they actually are in the right role and in the right industry, but they're in the wrong environment. So they go through these exercises of looking at their areas of engagement and their values and what I for They really realize, wow, I actually love a lot of what I do, but what's really making me miserable is my manager, or it's the direction the company's going, or it's the culture within my team. And 
So for in those situations, it's easier because it's not so much of a pivot, but it's okay. I just have to find a better company, a better team, a better work environment for me. Um, so that's kind of like one of the pools. And then the other pool is like, wow, I'm going through this exercise and I'm looking through my areas of engagement. And there's like this one small subset of my job that I actually really like, but it's a totally different area, totally different industry. So now it's okay, let's take the pivot into that and let's figure out how can we leverage this as best possible to really highlight that small subset of your job to be able to make that pivot. So I'd say it's pretty much a mix, but there's so much that can be discovered like if you go through those types of exercises. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like in the past, like times that I've been in roles where I find myself like, oh my God, I need to get out of here. And maybe sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't, but always those times, it's like, that was so hasty. There was, I didn't take any inventory of like, what do I actually like? And how do I make a really efficient or really like authentic move for me next? And I felt some of those times it was that I was just like becoming like not very confident in my role. I was falling into comparison traps. And I think the feeling of lack of confidence or just self-esteem can affect you if you were in that position, like just needing to like, kind of like give yourself a boost and be more confident in your own role. But also obviously when you're interviewing for other jobs, like confidence is such a huge factor of the job search and discovering what you want. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like, how do you work with your clients who they need that self-esteem boost? Like what, if we need to take, do a little exercise for each of us, like what should we, how do we highlight our strengths? How do we boost ourselves up? How do we prep ourselves to either like kill it in our own job or go out there and get a new one? Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm, all these are such good questions. So I think first and foremost, like when it comes to confidence, it's really important to remember that everybody feels that way. I think a lot of the times when I talk to people, people feel like I'm the only one who feels this way, right? Because everyone always portrays like on the surface, this really high level of confidence, obviously social media, we seem like crushing it, we're killing our jobs, everything's great. And then you feel really lonely and you feel like I'm the only one who feels this way and feel embarrassed, feel shameful and all those things. So first, I always like to remind people like you are in good company virtually every single millennial Gen Z individual feels this to a certain extent. So validation is this normal. And then an exercise that I like to go through, I call it the SLAM exercise. So SLAM, I'm going to like give you guys the abbreviated version, but SLAM stands for stories, limiting beliefs, assumptions, and your monster method. And these are basically like four blocks. I like to think of them as blocks that we all have inside of us that sort of prevent us from being that confident version of ourselves. So for example, stories are interpretations of events that happen to us. So we get laid off, right? This is affecting so many people right now. And the facts of the event are that we got laid off, but we create this story around it. I got laid off over that person because I wasn't delivering. I don't have enough value. People can see right through me. All that imposter syndrome comes up. And then we like carry that story around with us into our job search, into our resume, into how we network. It's like this burden that's on our shoulders and that can really impact how we show up. So that, with that being said, it's really about first and foremost, like understanding what are the slams for you. You have to create the awareness in order to be able to, right? If we don't know what's there, we can't trust it at all. So it's first really discovering what is the story that I've created about myself and my career? 
what are some of the beliefs that I've taken on to be true for myself, even though if I really look at them closely, they're not factual. And then once you can uncover that, you can start reframing it and say, okay, this is the way that I've been interpreting that circumstance, that layoff. How can I reinterpret it? How can I create a new story that's going to be more empowering, right? And it might sound like I was laid off and it was something that was completely out of my control. And as a result of that experience, I've been able to reflect and really see what I loved about my role, what I didn't love about my role, the values that I brought and the the experience that I brought. And now I can take that to a new place. And another thing I would say is fake it till you make it. I get it sounds so much easier said than done, but so many people struggle with that. And if you can just like almost create an alter ego for yourself of like this confident version and just pretend to be that person when you go on interviews, when you network with people, slowly but surely, you'll get more comfortable actually acting like that person and it will start to feel more natural. So those are like a few things that I recommend at least, at least pretend to start it. Yeah, it's definitely something that everybody struggles with. And you're so right that people don't realize that because of like the face that people put on and you think that no one else is having these confidence issues, but it's very, very common for sure. And since you mentioned networking, I'm curious, like what your biggest networking tips are? Like, is it using LinkedIn? What's your, like, what are some of the things that you recommend when it comes to like creating a network? Yeah, so definitely LinkedIn, huge, I think the best job search tool that there is by far. Uh, I think that with networking, I, everybody knows networking, right? It's a buzzword. It's so important. And we all attempt it to some degree. I think it's just that people attempt it in the wrong way. A lot of the times, people will either, like strategy number one is reach out to everyone that you already know. So, you know, my my cousin's boyfriend and my uncle's coworker and Sure, I think of those people as like the low-hanging fruit. They're the easy people to chat with. And yeah, absolutely. Talk with everyone. Go talk with whoever you can talk with. But the problem is like when it comes to that sense of career fulfillment is do all those like low-hanging fruit, those people you're already connected with, are they actually working at the companies? Are they actually working in the roles that you ideally want for yourself? And usually they're not, right? And that's how we kind of continue ending up in jobs that we're not super excited about because we just go after what's easy. So you can have those groups of people that you network with. But what you really want to do is like develop a new network from cold lead. So you really want to target people who are at the companies in the roles that you want for yourself, because they're going to hold all the clues in terms of how you actually get into that role, how you actually transition to it. And that's how you're going to really expand your network. That's how you're going to be able to talk to like the people at Pinterest and Spotify or whatever dream company it is that you want to look at. So it's really focusing on like, forming cold leads into warm leads and into relationships. And when you do have these conversations, rather than making it all about you and, hey, I love your company. Can you pass along my resume, which is really too much focused on ourselves? We need to make it about them. I came across your profile. I saw the project you worked on. That's so interesting. I would love to hear more about your career journey, how you got to be there. Lead with curiosity. Compliment them. Make them feel good about themselves. Humans love that. I love that piece of advice, like the complimenting and making it like even just that slight spin. It just makes so much sense. But in so many like career books, you're not finding that type of advice. But I love that. And I think that can translate well to another thing I wanted to ask when it comes to like interviewing and asking the right questions Mm -hmm. for both like interviewing for the sake of 
obviously going on an interview, but also like asking the right questions to make sure you know you want the job. So if there's any tricks that you have there in terms of like the research to do, the type of questions, any type of information there, because I think that's something people struggle with and ask about a lot. Oh, yeah. Because like you were saying in the beginning, it's just like you want the job, you want to make it quick and happen, get out of where you are, especially if you're in a bad situation, so you don't really do the proper vetting. So I'm a big believer in not relying on the interview process to do your vetting. Because a lot of the times, not always, but sometimes when you're talking to a company, if you know, you've already been brought in for an interview, remember that not a lot of people get brought into right? It's like a very small pool of candidates. So at that point, they're trying to sell you on the company, especially if then if you get like past the phone screen, you're in the second or third round, like they like you as a candidate. There might only be you and a few other people. So while we would hope that a company is always going to be honest with their answers, they're trying to sell it like any good seller is. So they might, you know, not fully share things. You might not really get the full scope. So I like to really focus on doing the market research before you even get into the interview process. And that's where networking comes in. So I always think about networking as like market research in the form of networking. Let me, I'm potentially have this interview with Spotify. I'm obviously taking up these companies. And I'm really excited. It like seems like a dream company for me, but I really want to figure out is this the right place for me. So I ideally want to set up a conversation with someone in a role or on the team that I'm most interested in and just say like, hey, I was, you know, I'm actually interviewing at the company. Would love to chat with you to learn a little bit more about your role and what you're doing. And then like think to yourself, what is it that I want to uncover, right? Is is culture the really important aspect to me? Is it really understanding like the ins and outs of the role? Like you want to figure out what is important to me to check the box and move forward here. And then you'll design your questions based on that. If it's really about culture, then you want to ask like, you know, what is the culture like? Uh, like what is turnover at this company? Do you find that employers are leaving really quickly? How does leadership impact culture? And what are they doing to, you know, make it better or or diversify it, whatever it is, right? So you have to think about like, what are the questions that are going to help me uncover what's most important to me um, and do that. And then from there, you have a much better sense of like, whether this is a place to work that you can work. And look, you can ask those types of questions on the interview 110%, but I have just heard too many stories of people being told what they wanted to hear on the interview only to get to the company and find that that was not the case at all. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I honestly, I love the like simple reminder that you just gave that getting to the interview is a big thing. Like the pool of people that actually get on that interview is so small. It's like something to remind yourself of that that's an accomplishment in Mm -hmm. itself. And it kind of like brings me to something else I want to ask about, which is how do you actually get in the interview? So like, what are some of the things that you've learned just from working with so many people in terms of things that might make you stand out just on your resume? What are some resume tips? So resumes, you know, like, so it's, Typical stat is that you have about six seconds to make an impression with the resume, right? That like, that's how long recruiters, hiring managers look at it. So like, you got to capture them as quickly as you can. So I think one of the things that distinguishes a good resume or an average resume from a really, really great resume is really showing the value of what you've done. So a lot of the times resumes read like job description, like led team of five people to complete XYZ project, as opposed to led team of five people to complete XYZ project, which led to a 30% increase in sales for the org, right? Like, again, totally making this up, but 
people don't describe the actual value of what they did. So you always want to think about it as task plus value added, right? And not just have what I think of like just the task oriented resume, which is what most people do. So you want to do the task plus the value that task really added. And if you go through all your bullets, and you'll, you'll probably see like most of your bullets are literally just your task with no follow through. So just add like, what was the value of that task? How did it help your team? How did it help your organization as a whole? And really try to make it as tangible as possible. And that's a big way to immediately boost your resume. That's such a good tip because I think like it's, whether it's like your resume or even like your performance reviews at work. Like I think a lot of people do that type of thing where it's just like, I did like verbatim X, Y, and Z, but it's so much of like just separating yourself from others by proving your value and whatever that is. So I really think that's important, important thing to, for people to remember, including me as performance cycles are coming up. Yes. End of year reviews. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. A lot of these questions are based on like a very, like a corporate job. Yeah. But you mentioned earlier, like Gen Z is like shaping the way we work. Yeah. And that just like led me to think a lot more about how millennials are so much more confident in jumping off and starting their own thing. And I think we were mm-hmm. from our parents, at least me, like you're always, it's always appealing to have the security of a corporate job, but I'm seeing more and more people being really bold and creative and going out there and making a life for themselves, whether it's starting something on the side or like jumping fully in. So would you say a lot of your clients are coming to you with help in that area? And like, how do we think about that separately from, or maybe we don't like some of these tips that we're talking about for more corporate settings? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're completely right. I think that we're this massive influx of people recognize that like corporate life is the all and end all. And if anything, like these past few months have really shown that a corporate job really isn't as secure as we think it is, right? So it's so important to, I remember like I heard the analogy once, like the table is going to stand with like one leg, even two legs, right? And that's why we try to focus on building multiple streams of income to really create that stability in our lives. So I think that people are definitely like recognizing that. And the pandemic has also like created this boom in small businesses and side hustles. And I've definitely seen a lot of people start saying like, you know what, I'm not fully ready to leave corporate. There are aspects of it that I really do enjoy that do bring stability to my life, but I want to pursue this side project. I want to pursue this side hustle. And I love it. Like I am the biggest advocate of the side hustle. I think everyone should do it. I think it's such a great way to really channel the things that you love and the skills that you have if you're not able to do that at work right now. So I'm, and I think that everyone's capable of doing it. Like, I don't care who you are, who's listening. Like you, there is a side hustle out there for you. I tell you. So I am definitely seeing it. And I think that I, I really encourage it. That That's kind of like what I was getting at earlier that like, now I've like turned what was my side hustle into like my full-time job. And I kind of like miss doing it as a side hustle. It's really weird. Like, I feel like I was like really enjoying having that side hustle. And now I'm like, yeah, Wait, I turned that into my career, but like, now what do I do on the side? Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it is interesting. Cause it's like, it's almost like, it feels like this, like, I don't even want to make this analogy, but it's like that, like, like the mistress on the side, it's like your little, like, you know, secret yeah. on the side that you get to <laughs> and then it's like, when it becomes, you know, public, you're like, Oh crap. Like it kind of like loses that sense of like mystery. Right. So I, I totally see that and get that. 
Uh, it's, so, it's so interesting. But now I guess you have to find another side hustle, right? You converted right. your side hustle to your full time. Now we have to find another side hustle. Exactly. It just like teaches me that like, I really like having multiple things on my plate. I feel like it just helps you have work-life balance. Yeah. But just since you like just made that comparison, don't you feel like there's so many, like so much synergy between like dating and looking for a job or like career and dating? Those things are just so similar. Oh yeah. So many. many. I've literally done podcast episodes before. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's like, Cause we make the comparison all the time that people like, we don't agree with like the, you'll find someone when you least expect it. Cause it's like, just like saying like the perfect job's going to come and knock on your door when you're not doing anything to try to get it. So we feel like it's like so similar. We're like networking on LinkedIn. Like that's kind of similar to like just putting yourself out there, telling people that you like want to be dating, like opening yourself up to meet people. So do you have any like advice on that? On like, We talk a lot on here about dating. So just ways to kind of like put yourself out there and meet people in that sense. Yeah, I think that so you were just kind of hitting on it with LinkedIn. There's obviously you can kind of take the route of, oh, let me identify people and like send the messages like that on LinkedIn. But I feel like one of the best things you can do on LinkedIn is think about like content creation, right? If you really want to get noticed, there's no better platform to be seen as a potential, you know, job seeker, a potential candidate. And in like, like any other, you know, social media platform out there, like you post the algorithm sees that you're more likely to show up in search results and you're more likely to get seen by recruiters. So I say it's like, put yourself out there, even if it's doing something like, you know, you don't want to create original content, but you want to reshare something or you want to, post the link to an article that's related to your industry or the industry that you're targeting, right? It's like the same thing as like being bold and like going up to someone at a bar and like putting yourself out there, like create content that's related to your industry or your niche or whatever it is. And it definitely will help get noticed. So I think that's like definitely a way to help. And that can kind of help position you as like somewhat of a thought leader without being too much effort into it. And I, I've seen, you know, my clients that embrace that so like people embrace you, right? I think there was, um, this just came to me too. Like there was this period of time where, you know, on LinkedIn, where you can like have a circle around you that says you're open to work or you're looking for a new role. There was this period of time where people were like, don't do that. It seems really needy. Like don't let people know that you're looking for a job. And even myself, like as a coach a couple of years ago, I probably would have said that. And now I really encourage people, like if you're in a position where you can share that, right? Maybe you don't want your employer to know, but if you're in a position where you can share that, like let people know, be bold about it. That's how people are going to approach you. That's how people are going to know that you're seeking help, right? So those are just like a couple of ways to you know, put yourself out there. That's such a funny like nuance to LinkedIn that people like have that fear of looking too desperate because like all the dating apps have yeah. like little flags or indicators of I'm looking for a relationship or what are you looking for? And I think people like hold that close to the, the chest because they don't want to fear like be seen as vulnerable. But I think like even like Carly said, there's so many synergies between this and like how what do you think about when you think about going out in the workforce? Like what do you think about when what you highlight on your LinkedIn or highlight on your date on your resume mm-hmm. it's like what are you highlighting on your dating app because what are you what like nuggets are you putting out there that's going to really show who you are and draw or inspire conversation from that so i think like making people think of these two things in the same way because yeah. i feel either one like i'm sure some people are prioritizing like finding a new job so much and like 
don't think too much about like their dating life despite wanting a relationship where people are like all in going on three dates a week and they're updating their pictures every day, but yeah, they're so like miserable in their careers and they don't know what to do. So do you even find that like when people come to you like miserable with career, do you ever see, or does it come up in conversation that like other areas of their lives are struggling or are they trying to like balance all the plates at once? A hundred percent. I like when I do an intake form with my new clients, I have them basically like categorize or rate every category of their life from like career, relationship, finances, health, right? Because I'm such a believer that everything is protected. And the truth is we spend so much of our lives working and like we spend, I think the stat is one third of our lives, 90,000 hours working. So that's a pretty large chunk of our day to day. And if that's a place that you're really miserable, it's probably going to seep into other aspects of your life as well, right? And how many of us have had a bad job and like we come home to our partner and we're just complaining about it all the time. Our partner's like, oh my God, I can't listen to this anymore. And like it's impacting our relationship. And then obviously it affects our finances and then we're depressed and we don't work out and our health is impacted. So I always kind of like to get like that full picture because I think that when your career is in a good place, you are feeling more confident. You tend to see that same like, excitement and confidence exude in other areas of your life as well. So it's it's so important. And that's why it's not just about your career, it is about your life. And when you're unhappy or miserable where you are, it's so it's easy to feel like you can just compartmentalize it, but often you can't. And that's like I always say that's the clear sign. When people say, what's the sign that you should be leaving your job? It isn't is seeping into other areas of your life, affecting your relationship, affecting your health. That is a clear sign. It's time to leave Yeah, that's such a red flag. Is there any advice that you have for somebody who might be on like the opposite side of that? Like who might be in a relationship with somebody who really is going through a career crisis and and unhappy in their career and it's kind of seeping into their relationship? Like how do you support, or maybe it's like a friend, how do you support someone who's going through that? Yeah. And I know it can be really hard on that other side. Like you just see that person all the time and other people's attitudes. I was just talking about this yesterday on Instagram, actually, like something I think that is really key that people don't do in these situations is like, if we see our friend or we see our partner struggling, we want to get them through it. We're like, it's fine. It's it's new year. Everything's going to be fixed. Like, let's, let's move you past this. Don't play victim. Like, we're going to fix this. You go into solutions, like into that solutions aspect really quickly. I think a lot of the times when people are in that situation, what they really just need is validation, right? Like, you need to validate feelings before you can fix that. So I like tell people just just say to them, look, that's just say to your partner, say to your friend, wow, it sounds like you're really struggling with a lot right now. And it's so normal and natural that you would be feeling really down about that. Like I'm here for you, right? So it's really starting with that validation. And I think oftentimes when you do validate them and they have that sense of my feelings are being recognized, that then you can move into like more of a solution oriented place. But I think because people skip the validation, the solutions aren't heard or they don't want to hear the advice. So start with the validation. Very true. I feel sometimes all I want is like someone else to just wallow with me and like hear me complain. I'm like, I deep down, I know all the things I can do to make myself feel better. But right now I just need to complain. But I mean, then I think it's it's important to focus on the solutions. It could be like very 100%. difficult if that lags on for so long in a really a relationship every single night. So a hundred percent. Yeah. I think obviously you have to see where they're at and and 
if it's just like if you've been validating them and it's just not getting them anywhere and they just keep going back to it, then obviously you have to think about a different approach and really understand the block of what's going on. And look, in this that situation, I would maybe suggest like talk to them about do you want to speak to a career coach, things like that. Like sometimes you do need professional help and there's nothing wrong with that, right? It's just recognizing when if you've been kind of in the same pattern, in the same rut, and you're just not making any progress, also a sign that you should probably like look for support some other way. Maybe you need that sense of accountability. Yeah, definitely. What are some of your favorite things when you like to maintain work-life balance in your own life? So, I mean, I have I have two kids. I have a two and a half year old and a five month old. So, like, work-life balance is is hard to come by these days. But I think that it's it's like I've always set really clear boundaries, especially since I started working for myself. Because when you work for yourself, it's so easy. I'm sure that you guys can relate, like, to just get so lost in it, and it feels like it. it it, there's no clear distinction between when the day starts and when the day ends. And I can be on my couch and I can be watching TV and I can still be working. So I really made an effort to say like, I have a typical, like I usually work from 10 to 5. That's when my nanny is here. And when she leaves, when I step away from my computer, I step away. Like that is it. And if there's a night that I do need to work, I'll say, okay, just for this one night this week on Wednesday, I'm going to open my computer for one hour at that time and finish up something. So I think it's just like, really getting clear on what those boundaries are and really trying to focus on being present in whatever you're doing. So I'm with my kids as my kids, I'm working as work. Um and just like closing off whenever I can. And I don't know, I for me it's just like if, if I'm having a hard day, going for a walk outside and just giving myself some fresh air and then going to sit at a coffee shop for five minutes and just, you know, decompress and in that moment just focus on sitting having the coffee and not that work. So I think it's just taking the breaks when necessary, setting the boundaries for yourself and realizing that no matter what your job is, like unless you're a doctor, you're not saving lives. So it can it can always wait, right? That's that's kind of my philosophy. Yeah, I think people like want work life balance just to be handed to them. Like someone yeah. else be like, time for you to sign off or like work hours are just so lenient, but so much about balance in any area. It's like, you kind of have to make it yourself. You have to oh, set yeah. those boundaries. And if I don't get up from make tell myself I'm going on an hour walk today, like work can swallow me up for a full day. And then I'm like mad and resentful at work, but I yep. can make my own decisions and I know what I need to like feel balanced. But also congratulations on your five month old and you have two kids. Like I wanted to touch on motherhood and work because I, I, I am not a mother, but I see so many people like killing it and being moms. And like, I think, how can you, how can you spread yourself? So thin? like, in my opinion, I feel like it takes so much energy. You have two full-time jobs at all times and a lot of fear of even just like how will becoming a mother affect my career and like how can I yeah. start planning for that? So if you have any thoughts in that aspect, I'd love to hear them. Yeah, I I mean, again, this we could talk about this for hours. I think that that's it's there's so much like mind there's so much within your mindset that really impacts you there, right? Like remember going back to what I was saying before, the slams and the stories that we create, right? So that's the story that a lot of women carry that you can't really balance a full time career. I would actually say that's more of a limiting belief. Like that's a societal something that society has taught us in shape, some shape or form. That 
you really can't have a career while also being a mother. So whenever you have those kind of large sweeping thoughts or feelings coming up, you really like want to look at it and say to yourself, like, is that true? Like, is that factual? Like the sky is blue and the grass is green. And nine times out of 10, you'll be like, no, that's not true because I know XYZ who does it really well. And I know that other person does it really well, right? And recognizing that our beliefs are not factual. And I think it's just remembering that because a lot of the times, like our beliefs and our thoughts and our behaviors shape our reality. So if you believe you can't be a mom and balance a career, then you're probably going to struggle being a mom and balance So it's really getting clear on what some of those stories, what some of those beliefs are, and really going back to those exercises of them and like strengthening that thought and that belief, like you would strengthen any muscle when you're going to work out at the gym. Um, and, and really, yeah, and reframing it and knowing that it might be hard, but you can do it. Like it's so corny, but you can do anything you set your mind to. But I think a lot of that, like so much of that is not, it's not like, it's not factual and it's not actual, like, I don't even know what the word is that I'm looking for right now. Like it's not behavioral, but it's really rooted in our mindset. So, and then obviously there is a part of it that's finding companies that are supportive of it, right? Because there are some companies that are very respectful of working mothers and working parents, and they have policies in place that support you in doing that. And there are places that aren't. So really thinking about that. And if you're thinking about a new job and you're going through this process of research, market research and networking and vetting, like you want to be asking questions around like, what is your, what are your policies for working parents? You have mat leave, you have maternity leave and you know, is there childcare provided, whatever it might be. But like, those are the questions that you need to be asking. Yeah. That's such a huge piece of it. And I definitely have a lot of friends who are moms who have like gone through some similar things and just like, even just like a general worry of like, even if you're company does have a good policy and everything like you're leaving for your maternity leave and you're like afraid that they're going to replace you or like just like things like that that I feel like are so common this conversation has been so fun we always like to close with some like rapid fire questions just to learn a little bit more about you outside of what you do so what are three things that you can't get through your day without oh my god so coffee but I'm a weirdo and I drink decaf coffee I have for years like happy like I have to have a decaf coffee every single morning. Um, what else? I well, I like water. Like I always have my bottle of water on my desk. Now, like oh, a sauna. Like that's also really dorky. But I like my life is in a sauna, and I cannot. I like. I plan out my whole like my whole week every Sunday night, and that is like my Bible. Especially talk about work life balance and handling it all as a mom and uh, a business owner. Like everything is there, and that is my Bible where I go. Everything's recorded, so that I really swear by. I need a few more, but those are the ones I'll give you for now. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I even love the decaf coffee. It's like just the ritual yeah. of it, I feel is so, so important. important. If you're a coffee drinker or even just like a morning routine, yeah. something to like ground you in the morning. So I love those answers. What is like a piece of content, like a TV show or movie or book or podcast you've been recommending to your friends a lot lately? So I, I was just talking about this with friends last night. Um, so have you guys ever read Maybe You Should Talk to Someone? It's mm, one of my I, favorite yeah. books. It's so good. Right? 
so good. My friends and I were just all talking about like self-help and therapy last night. And because like, obviously, who isn't in therapy? It's not better. And I was just saying, like, we were talking about this book. I, I read it. I read it once before, but I was kind of like, I kind of want to read it again. I just think it's such a great book and a great perspective for anybody. So that was just talking about that last night. Great read. It's one of those books that like, yeah, I wish I could like read it again, having not read it before. Yes. I wish I could erase my memory. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And just read it again. I actually, I do listen. She has a podcast. I listen to her podcast oh. too. Oh my God, it's called Dear Therapists. That. And they like go through, like people write in and they basically give them therapy and you like listen oh. in on the session. It's so good. That is literally so side note prior to like becoming a group, like when I was younger, all I ever wanted was like a, like a Dear L call. So that fun. was like my dream. Like I wanted to have yes. people would write me in and I could just give advice. So I love that like that I'm gonna have to listen to it yeah it's so good okay what else what is this is just a fun one what is one food that you can't live without pasta does that make me so basic but like Mm, no that's I love it I love that what's your favorite method of self-care so I was like you were hitting on it before with more routine candidly in the past five months it's lacked a little bit because I have a five-month-old but that was something that was always really big on my list. There was there's this YouTube video I can share it with you guys that's basically like five minutes of like more chakras. And that would just be something really it, like I don't have a lot of time even before I had the five month old, like mornings are always really rough for me. So this was a really quick five minute recording, but because it was quick, there was never an excuse that like I couldn't do it. And it just like is a great way to start your day. I would like go on my balcony or I would sit in my room close my eyes for a few months for five minutes. I always found that like it really grounded me in the morning and was always like a really nice confidence boost. Always so love it. I'm a big mom for that. I will share that with you guys. Yes, please share that. So I will I will send it to you guys. Yeah, please do. I love that. We always like to wrap things up with advice. So what advice would you give to your younger self? What advice would I give to my younger self? So I would say that I feel like we hit on this a little bit, but what I like often see with people is that one of the reasons that they're so miserable in their careers, because a lot of people are, is because like they're chasing a version of success that is actually their success. It's success defined by what their parents told them to do or what they're seeing all their friends doing or like what society has has said to do in some shape or form and, you know, their parents told them like, oh, you have to be a doctor. And then they got this grain in their head. And like, for now, 15 years, they've been like, I just want to be a doctor. That's what I'm so passionate about. But truthfully, that's not really what's important to them. That's not really what success is like for them. And I think that's why I stayed where I was for so long, because I was making good money. I had a really good stable corporate job. I was getting promotions. And I thought that that's what success meant to me. But clearly, it wasn't bringing me that sense of happiness. So... I would tell myself and like I tell all people like get really clear on like what does success look like for you and only to you block out the voices of your friends and people around you and really ask yourself like in one year from now two years from now what would a successful career look like what would a successful life look like for me and see if what you're doing right now is getting you to that place if it's not then it might be time to to rethink things and, and make some changes. That's what a good so note to end on. I love that. That's such a good, yeah, it's key. Well, thank you so much, Eliana. This was great. Of I think course. so many people will benefit from this episode. I know I took a lot away from it. So thank you. We loved having you. Of course. Thank you for having me. I love this. I 
you guys are so fun to chat with. I really appreciate you having me. You too. Can you tell everybody where they can find you, how they might be able to work with you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram. It's just my name, Eliana underscore Goldstein. Uh, and same thing on TikTok, Eliana underscore Goldstein. Shoot me a DM if you have any questions. I'm generally pretty responsive there. And I would love to hear from you guys. So definitely chat with me there. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. We're all entering into the new year with positive career vibes. So thank you again. Of course. I need everybody good job search vibes too. 